We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Filato. Tonight, we're here to break down the Giants' defensive film. They're all 22 coaches film from the end zone and the broadcast angle. In their loss to the Saints, you'll get recaps of the most important plays and some breakdowns of how we're thinking about players moving into the future here uh, with the Giants' season all but over mathematically at 5-9. and nine. Um, I know there are still technically some ways they can get into the playoffs, Nick. I like how Big Cat described his uh, upcoming game this past week for the Bears. He's a Bears fan. Big Cat from the part of my take. Played by Leonard Williams. No, no. Big Cat from the part of my take podcast. um, Described last game for the Bears versus the Browns as a gateway game. And I think that was the case for the Giants, too. If they want to bring us back emotionally, that's the gateway drug. That's the gateway game. They had to win that game. And he said, you know, with the Bears losing that game, he doesn't want to hear about the thousand different scenarios they can make the playoffs with. This is not going to happen. Things don't break like that. And even if they did at this point, I don't like I'm so past. I mean, I would love the Giants to be in the playoffs, but like. I'm so past the hope of like, if this team loses and this team loses, then the Giants win and the Giants win. It's like, come on, guys, let's let's wrap it up. That was the gateway game and we lost it. So let's go over some stuff from the gateway game, Nick, that the Giants did not play well in. First one I want to talk about is Adoree Jackson, because it's just it dawned on me. This is why I want to start here, Nick. It just dawned on me how like sad this has been this season that like Dory Jackson's going to end his Giants career on such a low note. And it's so surprising to me because if you had asked me this like a year ago, you know, we don't even like right now, for example, we don't even consider him part of the plan moving forward. And I don't even think we like are even factoring in the possibility of him coming back, Nick, despite the fact that we don't have a corner to replace him at all. The Giants, we still aren't considering it. And like at one point last year, it just sucks to finish the way because at one point last year, he had some filthy tape in 2022 and then he got injured on a play. He should have never even been injured on. It wasn't his fault that he was asked to be a punt returner on that play. He's always been a team guy. He in training camp this year agreed to play a new position and transition to the slot, though he's a better outside corner and he was doing so in a contract year, which doesn't help his case. So this was just team first, team first, team first across the way. Some filthy teach tape of him in coverage last year. Obviously, this year hasn't been great. And it just sucks. Like the season has so many warts in it, Nick. And this is one of them. Like we have this. Basically, we're going to end this year with like a very not a not so great uh, taste in our mouth when it comes to the Dory Jackson's career with the Giants going to end up kind of fizzling out. Um, and I was just thinking about that in this game, because obviously this was probably what I thought was his worst game on tape most likely. Um, and it just seems to be ending in such a poor fashion. It does seem to be ending in a very poor fashion over the last couple games. He's had a couple really nice plays. He had the one play in the back of the end zone. I think it was against Dontavian Wicks with the Packers. He had that PBU to start off the new England game against Devonte Parker. He's only 28 years old. Now I don't think he's going to be back. And I think the contingency plan that I don't know how Giants Twitter and Giant fans are feeling about it, but the Giants do have a contingency plan in Cordell Flott, who also has not looked all that great the last two games. But we'll say this, man. Adoree Jackson, to me, even though it didn't work out, this is kind of a separate conversation. That was a home run of a signing. I think Adoree Jackson played very well. He was signed to a market-level deal at that time that was comparable to William Jackson III, that was comparable to Shaq Griffin. And I don't grind through the all-22 of those two players. Adoree Jackson, through this contract, has been a much better player than those two. 
yeah, if you compare it to the to what was available to them in free agency at the time, definitely a, a big hit. Um, you know, I'd call it a solid contract for me because they're obviously going to get, you know, they got one great year, one whatever year out of it. I don't think that's his fault again, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm fine with spent. Look, the cap has to be spent. Okay. If you're a good team and you have a rich owner like the Giants do, you are going to spend to the cap every year. You're not going to be a rollover team. You're going to be the opposite. You're going to be like the Eagles. You're going to be like the Cowboys. You're going to spend so much that you're dipping into future years. So I'm not really concerned about a contract like that. Um, but I, as far as like re-signing him goes, Nick, I wonder if it makes sense at that point, just because if the Giants well, really do this thing right at the end of this year, they're going to start to rip some Band-Aids off and they'll start to really retool the rebuild instead of like the, you know what, maybe we can win with the Jones-Barkley core. Yeah, I'm right there with you. But one of the reasons why I brought up the fact that it was a good signing was let's go back to, what was it, 2021 when the Giants brought him in. He was a first-round pick that was released by the team that True. drafted him for coaching reasons. And it wasn't necessarily he was a malcontent, but it just didn't mesh well with the new coaching staff and Mike Vrabel. I want to take swings on players like that if it's not he's a bad guy, right? Because there yes. are a lot of players who are drafted. They're just bad dudes. They're uncoachable. That wasn't a Dory Jackson. It seemed to be some sort of a, just there wasn't a fit. He didn't feel like they were utilizing his skill set. I'm not really 100% sure what happened. He ended up leaving. The Giants kind of, I don't want to say they bought low on it because the contract was, you know, like I said, market, market value. But they were able to, I feel like, get a decent amount out of that contract. So in the future, if there are players like that, I'm curious, and I wanted to get your opinion, Will Joe Shane look to explore those types of options? I'm imagining he would explore it, but would he pull the trigger? That's another question. I think it will depend on the window that they feel like they're in. You know, obviously what Gettleman, <laughs> what'd you say? And what is that window? That's that's the big uh, question. I don't even know if they know what that window well, was. That window was large when it came to Dave Gettleman, right? Like he felt like that window was open his entire, open tenure, the entire time. general manager. Yeah. When he took over in 2018, he felt it was open. He watched the tape of Eli and he said, this window's still open. Let's wind around that. Yeah. Um, then he obviously drafted Jones and throughout the entire Jones tenure, it was fire away, fire away, fire away. Let's let's build into this window. This window is wide open. We just need to seize it. Um, Shane, on the other hand, saw a bit of a window this year, I would say, in his decisions, obviously, yeah. to make sign the players he did and to push back the contracts he did. But at the same time, I feel like the only reason he had to push back the contracts and cap hits into next year was because of what Gettleman left him and the disaster of a situation financially left him. And ultimately, some of these signings like Bobby O'Karake, these are core type signings. So like, yes, they had to be made at some point regardless. Like you weren't just going to step forward and say, OK, 2023 season, it starts and we have, I don't know. Jalen Smith resigned to be our middle linebacker, Jared Davis. Like they clearly had a role in mind for Micah McFadden that he's playing right now. And that role wasn't going to be you transition and play the Bobby O'Karake role this defense. They needed someone to play the Bobby O'Karake role. And Bobby O'Karake has been great. Like to me, that one is profiling like a potential slam dunk signing for them. And I'm okay doing that in any window, really, that type of signing. But the real questions are going to have to ask themselves, what window do they leave themselves in after this year with an injured quarterback who makes a lot of money? Saquon Barkley, not under contract currently, but aging, not the same runner from a breakaway ability standpoint, not the same runner from a force miss uh, from a yards after contact per attempt standpoint. Both those numbers have just plummeted throughout his NFL career. Um, and obviously he's going to be entering what age of 28 season at that point, which is very old for a running back. Uh, I know the Chargers just gave Austin Eckler a little bit of a pay bump. I would say they're probably regretting that this year. He doesn't look like the same player at all. He's, in my opinion, he's on the he's on the fall off stage of his career. Barkley's not necessarily the same boat. Barkley's been great this year, in my opinion. With the except, Barkley's been great. I just don't think he's been, you know, yeah. one of the top three, two, one running backs in the NFL type of level. Um, and I think a lot of people who watch the Giants now have that same concern that I have. Why is there no more uh, yards after contact per attempt? Why why, why is he not shaking tackles the way he used to and breaking tackles the way he used to? Um, he's replaced it with some good things. I want to make that clear. Like you talked about yesterday, the processing for Barkley has been much better. The the setting up the blocks has been much better, even though he didn't have many blocks this game. But, um, yeah. you know, they'll have to answer that question. Like, where are they at with this? And are they going to move forward with Jones? And if they are, do they want to keep Barkley? If they're not, do they want to keep Barkley? The way some of these contracts are constructed, and I'm not even talking about Jones, but even with the personnel that's on the roster, Andrew Thomas, Dexter Lawrence, yep. like, like the Giants aren't in a position to remove the tourniquet. Like you can remove Band-Aids, right? 
but you can't remove that tourniquet and get to the root cause of just blowing everything up. And then this team sucking, getting a high draft pick and drafting the quarterback of the future like this season. And I'm not saying like, oh, damn, we went on those three game winning streak is terrible. But like this season would have been not a tourniquet removing type of uh, season, but it would have been you have all these contracts. Everything went wrong for you. And now you are up shit's Creek. But the caveat, if you want to look at a glass half full, the situation is now you have a high pick. So look at the quarterbacks you want, scout the quarterbacks you want, bring them into this, this atmosphere you have, this environment you have, and maybe you don't need to remove the tourniquet later if you never find a quarterback, right? Sure. So that's the catch-22 of winning some of these football games in, yeah, over the last that's, month. It's a catch-22 of getting very lucky with the turnovers. I mean, that's the reason they won the, the New England game. That's the reason they won the Washington game. That's three, three wins without that, and they would have been actually right in the mix for potentially the first overall pick if they lost both, if they didn't have all those turnovers and all those games. But, you know, at the time, it gave the team some hope. It, I, I do believe it brought some short-term value to, to the franchise for sure. Um, some hype with the DeVito stuff, which was somewhat fun, uh, which was fun at the time. I shouldn't say somewhat fun. It was fun at the time for to an extent. My version of real fun is we're the, we're the contender every year. You know, we're the awesome team. Every game matters. Every game is for seeding. So you every, haven't, had, you haven't, no, had, we haven't had that in forever. But that's our what entire adult life. looks like. I yeah, want I start, our, my whole point, Nick, is I want fans to understand that you can. It's okay to set the bar higher with this franchise. It really is. I know it seems so far away right now, and it seems unfair to do, Nick. But I know John Mara would be okay with. He would never fire if a coach got nine and set eight out of this team for four straight years and to the wild card round. They won a couple. They won like one wild card, lost three, or one two, lost three, and lost every divisional round. John Mara would never fire that coach. John Mara has lowered his bar, in my opinion, and his expectations. And part of that is just because of all the losing and how many bad years. And I don't totally blame him for that. But I, I, I will never lower my bar, Nick. I'm still looking for for the for the eventual time of our lives where we are the contender that's going for the one seat every year. And, th and that's what I want. I want to go for the one seat every year. Dude, I wish we had a podcast back in like 07, even though podcasts weren't a thing back then. I know, then. 07, 08, 09, 10, 11. I mean, 10 and 11 would have been, uh, sorry, 9 and 10 would have been horrible and annoying, but it would have been fun. And then you bounce right back with 11. You have 7, you have 8, which was, what, can you imagine if we were doing a podcast during 8? The Giants were the best team in football in 08. It was the only time in my life during a regular season where the Giants were the unquestioned best team in football. And that was fair to say after they beat Roth in Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger, and they beat the, the Ravens, who had the best defense in the football that year, banged them both up. So, I mean, we didn't have a pod back then. We only have the, these years to do it. But yeah, I didn't even get to watch it back then. I remember learning tough. about beating Roth. Like, I remember asking, I think yeah. I was in SOI, School of Infantry at the time, and you know, you're you're not really a uh, you know at that point you're a marine, but you're still like treated like absolute shit all the time by all all mm -hmm. the people who are higher than you. And I remember like you know one of the guys was kind of nice, so I was like, so uh, Giants beat Pittsburgh, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, they beat Pitt, and I was like, yes, and I got like the information. I was like, yeah, That's awesome. <laughs> let's That's go. Awesome. Yeah, that was a big game. That was like the game of the week at the time. You know, the Giants were involved in in some of those prime time game of the weeks. It's been a while since the Giants have been in that. Um, so it will be interesting to see how Chain goes about this offseason as far as does he rip the Band-Aid off of a Dory Jackson and and what does he do with Saquon Barkley and players and like I'm, that. And dude, even though it's depressing, I'm so excited to cover that aspect of it. Like I'm very excited yes. about the draft and getting involved and all that. And Dan, you and I, we're, we're preparing for all that. It's, it's going to be awesome. But well, the moves that Shane makes is going to tell us a lot about how he views this team and the direction of this team going forward into the draft and then post-draft and everything, right? Because this is a very unique position. We brought this up, I think, last podcast, maybe the podcast before that. Like, look, the Giants are in a weird spot. They just paid a quarterback that they did not draft. And I, I think if you could give some truth serum to Brian Dable and Joe Shane, they would say they wish they didn't pay Daniel Jones that contract right now. I think that's probably what they would say, but they did. And that's just the reality of the situation. So how are you going to handle that situation now that you may have a top five pick? Which direction are you going to go in? What supporting players uh, are you going to bring in on defense or the offensive line? What are you going to do? What's going to happen with Evan? There's so many questions with this roster right now as we transition into 2024. Yeah, and that's an interesting perspective, too, as far as what they would think about that now. And you're allowed to change your mind, too. If you're Joe Shane and yeah, Brian Dable yeah. or us or anyone, you're allowed to look at new evidence and make your changing your decision. I hate the people who are, like, on take lock. But, I mean, ultimately, the, the irony of the whole thing is, Nick, we spent the first four years of the Saquon Barkley contract worrying about 
re-signing him to a major deal and what that would look like from a salary cap standpoint, viewing contracts in the past like Todd Gurley, where the Rams had so much dead cap. When in reality, if the Giants, this is the ironic part, if the Giants had signed Saquon Barkley in year two or three or four to a long-term contract, they most likely would have tagged Daniel Jones and they would have been in a much better financial situation now moving mm. forward because that contract for Barkley would have had most of its guarantees already paid out. There wouldn't have been much dead cap left. And instead, the Giants have $47 million guaranteed for Jones in 2024, another $25 million guaranteed for 2025. They're going to probably still cut him, I would think, in 2025 unless he miraculously becomes a player that can break out in year six or whatever. But ultimately, um, you know, they would have somehow been in a better position, which is just so ironic, obviously, at this point. Yeah, man, it's it is frustrating. But back to the Saints game a little bit. Mm -hmm. I found this game to be interesting. Yes, we were on the road. Wink Martindale went into his bag of tricks, though. There were some really exotic pressures that he threw at Carr. And for a team that wasn't able to, they weren't able to establish the run. I think they averaged like 3.1 yards per carry. Like the Giants shut them down for the most part in run defense. But it was demoralizing to see Wink Martindale dial up these blitzes, yeah. see the Saints protection without Ryan Ramchek pick it up, and to see Carr step up into the pocket, look very comfortable most of the game, find the open receiver with excellent timing, deliver the football. And again, it's not like they were running the football. It wasn't like the Giants were overplaying to stop the run. It was just like, we're going to throw blitzes at you. Carr, a quarterback who is regarded as one that you can rattle if you hit him, Giants couldn't even get close to him. Like right now, dude, and I'm so happy with what Kayvon Thibodeau has shown this season. And if you watch this game, look, Kayvon Thibodeau had a chip on him a lot. In a lot yes, of those passing did. attempts, there was a tight end over him who either chipped him or a tight end who would run at him, forcing Kayvon to stop like he was going to engage, and then he would go into the tackle. So Kayvon Thibodeau was circled. But if you look at the totality of the season, Dan, the Giants are like, 31st in sacks. They have like 24 sacks yeah. on the season right now. That's four ahead of the Carolina Panthers who suck. 33% of those are from one player. Exactly, man. Exactly. And I, I love Wink Martindale and I'm not saying this to uh, you know chastise him because I don't think he's the biggest problem with this team or even close to being the biggest problem with this team. But the Giants are not getting home. I think a lot of it is also because the offense has been so inefficient. The defense has been out there so much. And then the third and fourth quarter, they never have leads. So they're not really rushing the passer to tee off. But second to last is freaking low, dude. Like that yeah. is a very, very low mark to have right now. I do wonder how much of that number would be better if they were in any game this year where the Giants had like a 21 point lead, right? There's been none of those games. Like you watch it would um, be up. It would be up. That's that's what yeah. Wink Martindale thrives on. If Wink Martindale right. had a great offense, his right. defense complements that great Indeed. offense yeah. very well. But when it your does. offense sucks, this defense has good. has vulnerabilities. You're right, Nick. And you know, you look at that Cowboys Bills game. Worst game we saw this year from Dak Prescott. Everyone's praising McCarthy and Prescott all year. and But that's what happens when you're behind by 21 early. You have to really go to pass-only mode, and that's easy for defense. Our defense has never had that all year, dude. It's kind of insane to me. They had a little brief period of it against the Washington football team in their second win. A small period, maybe a series or two. And what happened? They had a pick six on the one or two series where they had that a, a sizable lead for just insane that we are going to go through a full season where the Giants aren't going to have a single sizable lead in one of 17 games. But it does reflect on Wink Martindale in the sense that, like, you know, everybody loves to make excuses for other players on this roster. Can we make an excuse for Wink for 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 for, for Frick's sake? I mean, this guy has never played with a big lead all year. But at the flip side of that, Nick, is what you said, which is the Saints still had a very pass-heavy plan, and yet... Kayvon uh, Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, I have this in my notes, combined for just one pressure all game. Yes, the ball was out fast. Carr processed well in this game and somehow had like elite timing with these backup receivers, which is just insane to me from a from a football standpoint, Nick, from everything I know about this freaking game. But it did happen, and they combined for one pressure. Dexter Lawrence played fewer than half the snaps in this game, which I am personally a fan of. He's clearly not healthy. Now we're five and nine. I'm think I'm personally ready to call it for him. I don't. If it's up to me, I know they're leaders of the team, so they're going to play, and that's fine. Whatever. Hopefully, it's nothing that leads to an offseason surgery. But you know, if I were them, I wouldn't. I, I don't know, man. I just don't see too much point in playing playing him at this point. He's obviously not healthy. Like, why else would he be playing fewer than half of the snaps in a game where they were down? With the way the season has gone too, 
like Isaiah Simmons, the Giants traded for him. I still think that was a home run of a trade. Isaiah Simmons has been non-existent essentially other than that pick six. And yeah. I don't know how much of that I can lay at the feet of Isaiah Simmons because this team is so bad. Because if this team had any offense, if they had any leads in the fourth quarter, I think yeah. Isaiah Simmons roll it. I think people would know who he is. Like, no one even knows who the hell he is. Like, 19, who's that again? <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy we got from the Cardinals who was a top 10 pick. He's uh -huh. not existing out there, bro. And yeah, he would fault. be playing like triple, <laughs> double to triple the snaps in obvious pass downs, and he could really shine on those obvious pass downs. Know, but man. the flip side is, like you said, Giants don't have a single big lead the entire year, and he can't play. He plays 19 to, you know, 12 to 19 snaps a game. I actually love seeing him out there on those third and longs yeah, when they too. don't even when they don't even blitz him though. He hasn't been great on the blitz, so I'll Not say that great. as well. But when he is like covering the running back to the flat, he gets to the numbers so much faster than Michael McFadden. And I like Michael McFadden. I think McFadden did a good job getting to the numbers on uh, the one play where I think it was a drag route from the backside by Kamara and they targeted McFadden. They're like, oh, McFadden against Kamara. Sweet. Let's take this. But McFadden did a good job rallying yeah. and making the tackle. But watching Isaiah Simmons move. It, it's completely different, just a different type of athlete. And it just sucks that the Giants aren't able to leverage that. I do feel like there's, it's tough to say, like, I think there's potential they can re-sign him for cheap this offseason and Maybe. make that nice. But also at the same time, if I'm him, I don't know if I would consider this to be my best fit from my skill set. If I'm playing, you know, 12 snaps a game on a team that's probably not going to win a lot of games next year unless something changes fat, like drastically. Um that's, I mean, that's the reality. Like if I'm him, I go to like one of the best teams in football and I say, use me as the situational third down guy. Good. We're going to be in a lot of those obvious passing downs because you guys are great and you guys score points and you guys win football games. Like, I don't know. I just, it's tough for me to envision. I would love to get him back for cheap though. Cause I still feel I, I'm with you. I think there's untapped potential there. I, I think spags with him would be fun. Oh, Spags could really use him. Maybe he'll go to the Chiefs. That'd be a fun spot for yeah, him. Because they wouldn't need him to play early downs with all the linebackers they have. They just get him out there with like Leo Chanel in a pass rushing yep. package and have him just get after the quarterbacks. Damn right. So what's going We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. 
I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit matchup to $100. You will not regret it. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order online during our pizza p- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit-style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Dan, it is gift-giving season, and there is no better gift to give your loved ones, your friends, than an experience, a concert, a comedy show. You like Broadway? Check out a Broadway show. Go see a live sporting event. Maybe go check out the New York Football Giants if you want to. And the best place to get tickets for any of these events is game time snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code banter that's b-a-n-t-e-r for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem the code banter b-a-n-t-e-r for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed um, those are my main my main things were dexter the two ends who only total one pressure and then a dory situation here uh, I think we saw uh, some of the status quo. We'll get into the plays, but I feel like I don't have too much on Okereke, who was great in this game and high effort, but you know, is that's every week for him. McFadden, McKinney wasn't wasn't his best game, but not nothing like glaringly bad there. I didn't think uh, anyone else, Pinnock, obviously, anyone else that you want to touch on before we get it individually before we get into the plays. Yeah, I think Ashawn Robinson had a fantastic oh, phenomenal game. game for yes. Just an insane game. The guy was everywhere uh, in this game, all down the line of scrimmage, making plays. I think he ended up with like eight tackles or something, and he popped out. Like 91 has been playing a lot better than when he was like speaking Serbian to the media. Remember like all those weird stories? Yeah, yeah. After the 49ers loss, he was like speaking Serbian to like one of the Giants beat reporters, and they're like, what the what the hell's wrong with this guy? <laughs> this guy's you weird. <laughs> just brought me out uh, of the the questions to Bredesen and about McFadden. Storm. Yeah. yeah. What was that about? I don't even know who it was, but what was that about exactly? I don't know who that was either. And I'm not trying to, to knock of you course, whoever the reporter who asked that question, but you know, they there's the, look, the season sucks. So I don't blame these reporters for just like, yeah, and not, not, I'm not going to say mail it in Nick, Nick, but like getting goofy, I guess with what they're asking here. Um, but like t- they're fo- over focusing on, like there was a storm on the plane ride home from new Orleans to Newark, I guess. Um, like a storm warning. <laughs> like I didn't, I, I didn't really hear the original, but I just heard El Hefe's version of it. And El Hefe's yeah. version was so funny. You know what he does now? He like in, superimposes his voice on the in front of the reporters. Um, yeah, I remember Bobby used to do that too. Oh, Bobby said it too. Okay, I didn't even, I don't remember Bobby's versions of them, but I do know El Hefe's version, and it was just really funny. He's like. Did you guys cheer like schoolgirls when the plane landed? All right, like I know he goes. I assume, I assume you did. Like what the what the hell? Are these questions. Uh, that's but hilarious. It's been a rough year for the reporters, but the Giants. But yeah, Ashawn Robinson, he's playing himself into 
a contract. Like this is a contract year for Ajon Robinson, right? He signed this one year expensive deal. One hundred percent. He's still a young player. He still has a lot of football ahead of him, and now he's going all out for these last games because he needs to get another contract. He's putting up great film. This was amazing film. He was not that we care about this stuff, but he was pro football focused, highest graded, highest graded player. And I think sometimes their grades completely align with the film. This was an example of that. He was the best player on tape for the Giants pretty much in this game. I would uh, say so. Maybe Okereke. Okereke. Maybe Okereke. I was thinking Okereke or him, and I wasn't thinking Dex, which is interesting because usually it is Dex, um, but he just didn't play a lot in this game. Yeah, Dex um, played what? I think like 30 snaps. Yep, and that was fewer than half. So, yeah, so that's an interesting one. I don't think he has much of a future with the Giants, Nick, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that given the Leonard Williams trade because they, you know, they still do need some depth on the interior too. They had, they're entering this offseason with a wild amount of needs on the defensive side of the ball, especially if they let McKinney go. That's safety, corner one, corner two, or corner two, corner three. I, I could use two corners to be completely honest with you. I'm okay with flop, but I'd rather let him compete, and I don't really like anything behind him. I like McLeod. That's about it. And then obviously potentially edge and interior defensive line if they let Robinson go. So he might be like a guy they have to resign. Two things before we get into the tape. One, you brought up McLeod's name. Why isn't he playing more? I don't know. His tape's always pretty good. I guess it's because Adoree's here. But Nick McLeod, he had a he had covered, I think it was Rashid Shaheed on a deep play action post where Carr was dialed in to hit this post. Like he wanted to hit the post. I don't think there was a safety in the middle of the field. And he just didn't throw the football because McLeod was right in the hip the entire time. And you got Nick McLeod playing a handful of snaps. He played 10 snaps. It's just he's yeah, playing every time I watch the Giants and I see 44 out there. I'm saying this guy is always in phase. He's physical mm-hmm. against the run. He is one of the, I would say, unsung players on the defensive side of the football. If we did unheralded players of the season, it might be Nick McLeod, but he just doesn't play enough. I would call him the I would call him the guy who's like most confusing because his tape is better than his playing time. Yeah, for us, from our standpoint, but obviously not from the coach's standpoint. They're looking at the tape more than us, Nick. They're grinding this over probably five, six times, and they're you know not seeing it clearly. Or maybe they just view it as like they want to get these younger guys some snaps and some reps for next year. It's hard to say, obviously, but I agree with you. It's the most confusing of all of all the tape I watch. It's the most confusing that he doesn't get a lot of snaps. Him and Hodgins are the two to me that should be getting more snaps on this team that don't. The one game I just pulled up his stats here, he played 54 snaps against Dallas, and that was his worst game. He gave up, I think, 108 yards on like five catches, but he was also tasked to cover CD Lamb a lot in that. And it's like, that's going to be tough for anybody to do that. And Banks also was tasked. But the one player I wanted to to mention, because this is really important, because we don't know what Xavier McKinney's future is. Dane Belton. Dane Belton has played seven snaps in week 12 against New England, six snaps against the Green Bay Packers in week 14, and then nine snaps in week 15 against the Saints. If Xavier McKinney is not a giant, if he gets priced out of the Giants range, I don't know if the New York Giants are comfortable enough to 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 give that role to Dane Belton. And if they are, they're certainly going to add another safety to challenge yeah. Dane Belton because the guy's hardly seeing the field. And I wanted to get your take on his role as a rookie was the big dime type of safety linebacker hybrid. Now that the Giants have Bobby Okereke, Okereke doesn't come off the field, so you don't see quarter. You'll see big dime with that linebacker. You don't see quarter, though. That's where we saw so much Dane Belton last year when the Giants were in seven, seven-plus defensive back type of um, type of alignments and type of uh, personnel. Right now with Okereke, that doesn't happen, and, and we're hardly seeing this guy on the football field. Yeah, and that could be a mental thing that we don't know about, Nick. Like, it could just be assignments-based, and he, they don't feel comfortable with him from that standpoint, putting a lot on his plate. I don't know. It's here, too. He'll have time to obviously, you know, prove himself this offseason. I believe I believe you're right. If they don't resign McKinney, they're not going to have too many options, I don't think, at safety, unless they go high draft pick. Uh, it's not really the best route for agency. Um, so it is interesting because they did draft him and handpick him. But um, but do you remember that one weird comment that Shane made during the? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That people overfocus on. Yeah, and we the two players that came to our mind. I mean, just a re uh for the those who don't know what I'm speaking about right now, Shane said, "Now that I've been with Wink Martindale, and it was specific to Wink Martindale because he coached Mm -hmm. with Brian Dable in Buffalo, I know the personnel that he really does want." And if you read into that, it suggests that maybe the Giants in the Shane's first draft selected some players that didn't necessarily fit what Wink Martindale wanted. That's at least what was implied. 
by that Joe Shane comment. And the two names that really came to mind for you and I was Dane Belton and Micah McFadden. Now with Micah McFadden really developing, it's safe to say that does not apply anymore. I think Micah McFadden is perfect for Wink Martindale's system, especially when they can get in a third and long situations and you can blitz him, you could do so many different things with him. But Dane Belton is still that player. It's like, what the hell is this guy's role? And then there's Cordell Flott, who has shown a lot this season, but has had a couple bad games. And we still remain uncertain if he's going to have a long a uh, long-term role here on this defense. So I'm wondering, uh, I just wonder what the hell the future for Dane Belton is, especially with Xavier McKinney being in a contract with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as well. We'll see. I think a lot will be determined by the playing time rest of season. So we'll have to see how he, how that shakes out for him. Let's get into some plays from the game, from the Giants. Week yes. 15 loss to the Saints. The Giants week 15 loss to the Saints. So first play I want to go over here. This is a third and seven. 918 left in the first quarter. And we're just going to get a small little completion. I just want people to pay attention to the blitz. Okay. So you're in a third and seven situation. You have four guys within the tackle box, one being Okereke. And then the other one, I think that I'm not 100% sure who that is. Regardless, then you have the two wide players. So you have six dudes on the line of scrimmage, two deep safeties. You're going to get some creative rotation and blitz from the Giants. And we see this, and it's going to be a small completion. The Giants end up tackling Taysom Hill before the sticks, but I believe they end up picking up the fourth down. But look how the two linebackers drop off the line of scrimmage and where they turn. We brought this up on the offensive review. This is something that a lot of teams do. Whenever you want to show blitz and then bail, you're going to bail the players off the line of scrimmage who are dropping into zone coverage, and they're always going to go towards the passing strength. So Okereke, and then the other player, Jihad Ward. No, Okereke goes on the blitz. But Jihad Ward bails along with Aziz Ojolari. They both turn towards the passing strength, look towards the passing strength, and that creates a four over three to the passing strength. But the Giants, on the flip side of that, end up bringing in Deontay Banks and and Kayvon Thibodeau. And Banks runs right through the B-gap. The Giants were attacking the B-gap a lot in this game. That's something that Wink Martindale likes to do. He doesn't do it in every game, but they did it against Carr, which is to no surprise because we knew the Giants were going to dial up the pressure against the Carr. It just didn't work in yeah. this game. You see Banks run right through. The football comes out. But look who the Giants had covering the lone uh, tight end. I think that might be Foster Moreau in the three-by-one set. Xavier McKinney, who was about 20 yards, not 20, but he's, what, 12 yards? 13, 14 yards yeah. away from Foster Moreau because both of those other players are coming on the blitz. I guess they knew, the Giants, that is, that Carr is going to look towards a passing strength in this scenario. And you could see how much just distance Foster Moreau had from Xavier McKinney. Like the blitz. I like the rotation. I like creativity on defense. You get that from Wink Martindale. But when you're really efficient and dialed in, it doesn't really work that well. Yeah, they forced a a, a check down to to Taysom Hill here, um, and a quick rally from Aziz Ojolari who dropped. So this is one of the times it worked. This is one of the times it worked. You see the Giants; they get that two v one that they wanted. It's just Banks was coming from such depth that it it didn't really yeah. matter. I hate. I'll tell you what, Nick. My whole life watching football as a fan, I'm always and going to be the guy that hates blitzes from depth. I find them to be bad calls pretty much at a hundred percent clip. Um, rarely I'll see them work in the NFL. I feel like 90 to 95% of them look like this, where you get the guy like banks running in and he basically makes no impact on a play. And you're just totally taking a guy out of the play and basically playing 10 on 11. Um, it's how I feel mostly why I've seen a lot more DCs, at least wink doesn't run them a lot, but like, this is just a good example. Kind of that like banks is basically not even in, in to me, banks is not really on the play here. The ball's out way before he gets there. And then you're just taking a guy out of the play. Um, and you know, against the faster processing quarterbacks this is the question we always get, Nick, like I like when the people tell us, I like Wink Martindale, but they bring up a good point when they say, has he ever really done well against fast processing, great quarterbacks? And the answer is no, really Aaron Rodgers. With the giants and Rogers. But I feel like in my opinion, Rogers is not no longer considered a fast processing quarterback. Ah, man, I, yeah. I don't agree with that. The tape last year was consistent with that versus the jets versus the giants. He had major processing errors. Well, even against, even against the giants. Though. Yeah, he did miss a couple major of processing errors against the giants, but some of those plays weren't even Aaron Rodgers not processing. He processed it. It's just the blitz got home in the sense that they knocked the football out of the air. I think some of them were, had like some of them were, some of them were not that if you remember, well, we can go back and look at the tape, but I remember clearly like multiple plays that we put, and I put a bunch on Twitter, I think at the time yeah. where he did not, where he missed where the blitz wasn't there and he just didn't process it. Right. And we said like, I remember that not too, trust man. these receivers. And then the jets game was an even larger example that the jets Packers game last year where the jets won. So I just don't know if I fully believe he is that anymore. I do know this. 
when the Giants tried to blitz Purdy, he destroyed them. When they try Dak, he destroys them. The fast process, the, the guys I consider to be fast processing, um, for the most part, I guess, besides maybe Rodgers and a few others. Lawrence, who I don't consider fast processing, they did a good job against him. He's not really fast processing. They didn't even blitz him, his career, And they didn't blitz him either. Um, I don't know, but that's the question that people ask us. Like, how does Wink do against the fast processing quarterbacks? And in my opinion, a fast processing quarterback there would have saw Foster Moreau and would have ripped the Giants up for like 22 there, to be honest with you, um, before Banks can even get there with that late delay. It wasn't play. even in his progression. I don't even think he was he was waiting or looking to the backside. That was, was all. I'm just going to go to the passing right. strength, which is similar to, to this play, but he doesn't like what he sees. Now we're going to a third and five with 548 left in the first quarter. So a little bit later on in the game, Carr's going to get this. They're going to motion to a three by one, and then they're going to snap the football. The Giants are going to bail. I believe that's Okereke off the line of scrimmage. Like, we said before, he's going to turn towards a passing strength. You're going to have that four over three outside the hash with another safety coming over to take anybody running towards the middle of the field. So you have the passing strength covered, but what you don't have covered is the backside drag. And I think Carr does a very good job getting off of the passing strength and finding the backside drag, which is Rashid Shahid. And you can see he's just patient. Unfortunately, the Giants didn't actually bring pressure here. They just sent four. And then Isaiah Simmons met Alvin Kamara in the, in the backfield. You can see you have a little twist from, I think, Dexter Lawrence and Jihad Ward. But that's such a clean pocket, man. Right. It's so easy for Carr just to sit back there and find Shahid. You can see McKinney kind of see Shahid coming into his purview. But by that point, football's already out. and It's easy first down for the Saints. And we'll see it from this angle. Oh, it's Jamal Williams, actually. Jamal yeah, Williams got, getting some third down snaps. He got more snaps than I thought in this game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, he started like the first drive. You didn't even see Alvin Kamara, did we? No, remember it was weird. I was like, "Where the hell's 41? I'm like, "This has fantasy ramifications. We can't <laughs> have this." <laughs> All right, let's get to the second and ten, two thirty-two left in quarter one. I believe this is it. No, this is I want to say a third down too. So I might just have uh, my, my notes a little bit messed up here. So this is a third and four. This is the touchdown pass to Keith Kirkwood. <sighs> Look at that stepping up into the pocket. Yeah, it did oh, a great I job. I hate to see that, and I really do. But the underneath routes, they hold the linebackers in place, and that's the key to this. You want to open up that backside dig. Pinnock kind of gets stuck with his feet in the sand. Not, I think he's a tick slow to react to what, what he's seeing and what's going on in front of him because you have Banks taking Shahid's seven route, and he does a great job. That's great technique from Banks to just kind of close with, get to that back pylon while also keeping Rashid Shahid behind you so he can't undercut you towards the uh, the front pylon. But Pinnock just doesn't even react. He just kind of sits there. And then Kirkwood, I guess he imagined that those linebackers would gain enough depth. But you have a mesh concept underneath with the running back leaking out of the backfield. Linebackers are all drawn to that. And then the other defender, I'm not sure, maybe Pinnock thought, I think that's Cordell Flott, maybe. He would go with Kirkwood, but nobody sank. And Kirkwood's wide open in between the two zone defenders that are in the end zone yep. for a touchdown. It was a great pocket manipulation from Derek Carr and a great read. Yeah, it just you talk about quiet feet a lot. Like those are nice. Yep. Silent, silent feet. You don't even hear them. Right. And cave on cave ends up. You see, it kind of bitches that tackle to the ground, but it's way too late and it's going to be a touchdown. And I think that was a Dory Jackson at the top of the screen, not Deontay banks. And you can see yeah, it from this standpoint, yep. banks at the bottom of the screen, easy touchdown. Now we're going to have, I believe this you is can, a third. You can see after the play on that one, McKinney talk, talking to Pinnock and he pointing that he should be going in the other, uh, following that route. You can yeah, watch that's McKinney at the end. I mean, that's what I would imagine. He's like pointing and talking. There you go, McKinney. Being the leader that we all know you are. Let's go to third and four. Or third and five, I believe this is. The Giants actually get home with one of their safety blitzes. Something that the Giants like to do, right? You're going to blitz Pinnock off of the edge. And you're going to send the other four. You're going to slant all four of those defensive linemen inward, isolating Pinnock against the running back who is going to be tasked to take the defensive back. And Pinnock just beats Jamal Williams here. Sacks Carr. Coverage on the back end looks pretty solid from the Giants, right? You have that passing strength, that three by one. Again, Giants end up creating the bracket over the top of it. They stick to the the underneath defender, the pivot route, and Pinnock ends up getting home. So these are the times where some of the blitzing does work. I love the path, though, here. Because watch the Saints offensive line. They all slide to the right. Okay, Jamal Williams, that's you against Pinnock. And you know what? Pinnock's very good in these situations. Right. He's blitzing off. And so is Xavier McKinney. They're very good at blitzing off and defeating a running back who was tasked as a sixth or seventh man in the protection. And when's the last time we saw the Giants get a sack in a seven-man protection? Not often. Not often. So good job by them here. And also yeah, not often at all. 
Dexter Lawrence like runs through 78 and <laughs> it's like bear hugged. Of course, man. He's crazy. Now we're gonna have a second and 20, 324 left in quarter two. Giants are gonna cross dog blitz get home to hit car and force an incomplete pass. We saw this all throughout last year, but we mostly saw it. I think we saw it three times, which was the most of the season, if I'm not mistaken, against the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields. Going to get a, a nice hit on Carr. Okereke hits him, and the coverage on the back end looks pretty damn good. You're going to attack the B-gap, right? It's what we talk about. Attack the B-gap, get after Carr, and that's exactly what happens. We'll see it a little bit better from the end zone copy. Michael McFadden acts like he's coming, gets pointed out by Carr, and then we're going to have McFadden go take the guard. You're going to send Aziz Ojolari wide to open the tackle up. 87 isn't staying in for protection. Kamara is in protection on the other side. So what does that mean? Okereke is going to loop around Micah McFadden. He's going to be wide open. That's exactly what is supposed to happen. Now, I'm sure the Saints would say, Kamara, you need to take Okereke. But how the hell is right. Kamara supposed to know which one to take when they're looping like that, right? It's a little bit more difficult. That needs to be sussed out pre-snap. And that's why I like this type of pressure. You bail Cave on Thibodeau out for another player to to take the uh, one of the uh, eligible receivers on that side. Now you have wasted blockers. And you get a hit on Carr on a second and 10. Well said. And that was one of the ones that got home. Yes. And here, I don't know if this is a, yeah, this is the second and 20. This one's depressing though. The second and 20 was a 19 yard completion to Shahid or Carr just knew where to go. He knew yeah. exactly what the giants were going to be in. He knew they were going to be in some sort of cover three with the robber buzzing down uh, towards the boundary side. And that's exactly what happens. You can kind of see it happen pre-snap. And then if you look at, I think that's Deontay Banks, the top of the screen. What is he? He's an outside leverage. He's off leverage, outside leverage with, with that robber buzzing down. Who the hell is going to take Shahid, right? Like Shahid's going to gain so much depth and look how wide open he is in the voided zone. And it's like Carr knew exactly where to go with the football on the play. And he did. And he just delivered it right as Shahid broke back towards the football. Like football's coming out. Shahid's wide open. Just drop to one knee, catch it, and then fall forward. It's just another great play by Carr, man. Yeah, great gets, timing and good footwork. Yeah, great timing. And get some pressure from Isaiah Simmons here against Jamal Williams, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, timing in the passing game. This is a good example of when it really makes a difference. Like he's so on time with the throw. You look at this on tape, you may not say the receiver's open, but he's open for that small window of time. And if the ball comes out on time from a quarterback, you can make a play like this in a window like this. And the and at this point in the game, how many times have we already seen Jihad Ward drop in the coverage? So the Saints are like, yo, yeah. let's just we attack with depth because it's a second and 20 anyways, but we're not going to go through the middle of the field. Jihad Ward and the linebackers are going to be wasted. They're going to be covering the middle of the field looking for eligible receivers. Look where all the receivers go. They all go towards the numbers and outside. And right. we'll attack those outside leverage defenders. One of them is going to be open to one of the sides of the field, whatever side of the field the robber decides not to go to. The robber sits basically on that hash, but there's so much space between that hash and and Shahid. And all Carr needs to do is look off that buzz defender. And you can see he's going to be looking right, and that's where he sets up, sees McKinney in the middle of the field, and that's when he fires the football right yeah. on target. And this play, just full field scan by Derek Carr. These are the demoralizing ones, Dan. This touchdown yeah. pass against a cover Another three. and long. Another second and long situation, and nobody accounts for Jawan Johnson, who's going to run uh, basically out and up, and Cordell Flott doesn't take him. Who the hell is going to take him? Because you have a Dory Jackson who's going to have to handle Taysom Hill, who's running right. that same exact route. The safety gets influenced towards the other side of the field by Carr and his eyes. Carr did a great job with his eyes in this game. And then Jawan Johnson, he's just going to run out and up. No one even close to being there to pass it off. So it's just a very well-designed play by the Saints offense to take advantage of the Giants cover three defense. Yeah, well-designed and great timing. Great timing. That seems to be the the main thing that we keep saying about Derek Carr in this one. Of course, he's kind of sucked all season, but yeah, that's very good. That's screwed up part. His timing has <laughs> yeah. been awful all season with this past game. Yeah, that's about as wide open of a touchdown as you can get. And he had injuries to his first two receivers and right and tackle. Th and this is just a very impressive play by Jason Pinnock that I wanted to highlight because mm -hmm. the, the Saints, they dial up a man beater and they get Jason Pinnock who has to cover number 87 all the way outside the numbers. And he has to work through three players, Kayvon Thibodeau, two eligible receivers, and then there's two other giants. And he takes a direct path and then gets his hand just on this football or hits the hand of Foster Morell and forces an incomplete pass. I think this is the upside that we see from Jason Pinnock, right? Like plays like this, this is 
uber athletic play from a safety to get outside and force an incomplete pass. And you also have Okereke just run through number 46. Mm. That's a great play. Yeah, you like to see the break on the ball from Pinnock. And now we're going to have a third and 16, another completion. This is a Dory Jackson. This is a low point. We can see the Kayvon Thibodeau attention that we were talking about before. You got two guys that on him, Foster Moreau, Chipsum, 67 fans out, and you have the running back going that direction. So there's a lot of a lot of eyes on Kayvon. Granted, the running back went in that direction because they were acting like they were going to bring other players. But still, there's a lot of attention on five. And this is just a rough one right here, man. Adoree Jackson playing inside out, sees the break, tries to get to the catch point. Just a very good individual effort from A.T. Perry to come down with this football. But this at this point in the game, we're like, oh, my God, we just cannot win. It's the beginning of the fourth quarter. A third and 16, you allow this completion for like 17 right. yards. Nah, man. And that's it. Yeah, and that was the, that. was those were the plays that did decide the game. A lot of those second and longs that they were able to convert, the timing in the passing game and that big touchdown to Juwan Johnson. You know, ultimately, if they stop those plays, the Giants, maybe they, they can be in more of a 12-6 type of game. But this was a rough game all around, Nick. Um, yeah. Do you have superlatives? I have a few. Yeah, okay. I do. So my unheralded player is a Sean Robinson, just because a Sean Robinson, you don't really think of him as one of the best players on the Giants defense, but he was arguably the best player on this Giants defense. All, although I went with somebody else for best player overall. I went with a Sean for unheralded and for just to spoil it for best player as well. My best player was Bobby Okereke. Okay. How about and he was high my highest? Oh, it was Bobby Okereke. Yeah, yeah, I had Okereke was everywhere. It was. It's hard. I think he pretty much deserves it every week, so I'm fine giving to him here. The player we expect to see more from, I think that's obvious at this point, Adoree Jackson. Yeah, Adoree Jackson did not have a great game. A lot of the Saints offense, too, like whenever the Giants were in quarters or cover three, they were like, oh, off leverage, we're going to hit a quick curl, and we're just going to take what's there. And Adoree right. Jackson had to rally and tackle, and same with Deontay Banks. And it just seemed like the Saints knew what was going to be called a lot this game, even though the Giants kind of diversified yeah. their pressure looks and everything. Good point. That's the, they had our number here, the coaches. The pass rushing grade, 1 through 10. This was bad for me. Yeah, 1.6. Dude, they had like three pressures. Two, in this one game. combined between Aziz and and, and uh, Kayvon. I had it at a 1.1. Run defense was a little bit better, obviously. They, they forced the Saints into a little bit of a one-dimensional attack on offense. What's your grade there? Uh, 6.2. Okay. I had 6.5, so to pretty much slightly above average there. All right, that is the defensive film review and some obviously forward-looking stuff about the roster, which will be the focus moving forward, obviously. Um, the Giants have the Eagles on Christmas night. There is a big, big week ahead for both Nick and I, family-wise, and then Nick has his uh, girlfriend's birthday that week, which is a big which is a big deal in the Nick, Nick Flotto household. So we may not be doing the All-22 film for the Eagles game, just as a heads up. We haven't really fully decided that. If we have the time for it, we will definitely do it. If we don't do all 22 film for the Eagles game, um, we will we will do something else. We'll have some kind of other content to replace it. And obviously, if the game ends up being unexpectedly good for the Giants and they win or something, or they're in it and they lose the end or something, but they're in it, we'll find time to do it. Even if it might be like three, four, five days later, it's still worth doing if it's a good game. If it's like this tape, I, I think you guys can all probably give us a pass for that one and, and let us move forward to other types of content. But thank you for tuning in to this Big Blue Banter podcast and this season for the Giants. I, I hope for God's sake this thing turns around soon, Nick, because I'm I, I'm at I'm at my lowest point by far as a fan and, and as an analyst with this team. Um and, I, and let's just hope at some point it gets better. I, I, I you know, I'll settle for anything at this point, Nick. I'll settle for losses if it means we can score two, three offensive touchdowns a game. If we become like the great offense that has no defense, I'll take that. Or even if we just became the great defense, anything at this point. So we'll see what happens. We got a full off season. Hope springs eternal in the off season. You mentioned it earlier, Nick, but the best time of the year for us is the off season. It's the four most fun months to be a fan of this franchise at this current period. So we'll see what happens. Have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you soon. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.